Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajj Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, corporeal and non-corporeal listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I will reiterate, Ben and I are automotive journalists, and we're friends. In fact, we're such good friends, I let Ben... Well, not let. We share hosting duties on the podcast, and I, and I think I'm going to give Ben the opportunity to tell people where they can find his latest work. Go for it, Ben. Uh, you can find my work at Car and Driver, at Motor Trend, at Driving Line, at Haggerty, and at Inside Hook. And you can find my work at Driving.ca, Autotrader.ca, Nouveau Magazine, TechSpot, Automotive News, and Car and Driver. And also, I want to shout out uh, another outlet that Sammy and I actually both write for, uh, Capital One, which is kind of moving into the automotive space over the last year or so. And we've been doing a ton of stuff over there. I, I We haven't really talked about it because I'm not sure how much of it is actually online yet, but uh, it's always nice to, to work at the same place. I agree. That's always fun. We always share each other's uh, notes. And finish each other's sentences. How did you How did you know you were going to do that? How did I I didn't know you were going to do that. It's just the same brainwave. This week, we're going to be driving... You're supposed to finish my sentence, man. We're going to be driving? Well, I mean, we both drove we're different be vehicles, di- we, but they're both in the same company. What is that company again? It's Lexus, and it wasn't on purpose. It just happened. It, I think last week, did we do a full Toyota show? Is that what happened? Yes. Um, the issue is that uh, I actually drove this Lexus a long time ago, but I wasn't allowed to talk about it. Sorry, two Welcome weeks ago. To- two weeks ago was the Toyota show. I, I'm, I'm, I apologize. Welcome to the uh, behind the curtain here. Eventually, they sometimes they tell us we can drive things, but we can't tell anyone about it until the automaker is ready, which is some strange obligation that we feel. I mean, you uh, you can <laughs> tell people about it whenever you want, but there are consequences. Uh, and I'm not ready to bear those. Con- I'm I'm terrified now that I have a a wife and you know other obligations. Something at home. to lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The I'm consequences are are generally you don't get to drive that company's cars for a while. <laughs> oh no. Um, the car that I drove a few weeks ago is actually the Lexus RZ. It's called the 2023 Lexus RZ 450E. That's the full name of the car. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this is the very first electric vehicle from Lexus, like full electric. The first battery electric vehicle, or BEV, from the Lexus automaker. However, it uses the same platform and battery as the Toyota Ooh, I hope I don't make I don't mess this up. There's an acronym here I've got to nail. BZ4X. Did oh, I no. do it? That's the Toyota that had the wheels fly off and they had to recall it, and then the wheels flew off again, and they had to recall it again. I'm not sure how many times the wheels flew off, but I also know that it's essentially the same as the Subaru Solterra. Which I which think comes- is not on sale right now because they haven't been able to figure out how to stop those wheels from coming off. So I don't know what the wheel situation is. I drove this car, and this Lexus, and none of the wheels flew off. And from what I can tell, nobody else's wheels flew off. I mean, five event. stars already. I, mean, I know. Pretty good, right? Yeah, solving that issue is, is a big deal. It is uh, using the same platform as that Toyota. It is a teensy bit um, longer and lower and wider in case anyone was worried about that. And I'm sure it's like significantly more expensive. It is fairly pricey. Although I think when compared to other EVs, it's, um, it's okay. This thing starts at around $60,000. 
And then um, I think it tops out at oh I had all the I had all these this thing happens to me all the time okay I told you I start the podcast with all of my notes with a full week then, to prepare <laughs> then when the podcast starts gone oh I just close all my notes so the thing about sorry this... hold on oh okay starts at, starts at sixty uh, starts at fifty nine six fifty and then goes to sixty five one fifty so there's just like essentially five thousand dollars of of play wiggle room there um and that makes it a little bit more affordable than other electric vehicles on the market are there other other luxury electric vehicles pardon are there other luxury no i'm saying you're saying it's more affordable than other electric vehicles on the market but that's not that's not true i mean (laughs) yeah specifically (laughs) other luxury okay um evs on the market um and i think that's that's an important thing to to recognize here because um in terms of value, I'm not sure that the Lexus RZ makes the most compelling electric vehicle package. Sammy, um, I there want, is, I want you there to... is one thing in particular that the car does very well, and then not a lot of other things that are, are great. I want you to describe to me, in general terms, the horsepower, battery range that come with this vehicle. The horsepower is a whopping 308 horsepower. Okay. The range um, varies depending on the uh, size of the wheels. So the smaller wheels, the 18-inch wheels, will get you 220 miles. Okay. <laughs> and the bigger 20-inch wheels will get you 196 miles. 196 range. miles. Okay. Sammy, I want to talk to you about another luxury EV that came out, ooh, I want to say four or five years ago, maybe three years ago. Sure. The uh, Jaguar I-Pace. Have you heard of it? I've heard of the Jaguar I-Pace, yes. So the Jaguar I-Pace, it costs $72,000. So it's maybe $5,000 more expensive than yes. the Lexus we're talking about. But yeah, it how has, much horsepower does it have? It has 394 horsepower. Okay. It has 512 pound-feet of torque. Holy cow. And if you're curious about its range, it has um, 246 miles of range. So it has 20 more miles than the best RZ. It has uh, 90 more horsepower than the RZ. Uh, and, it sounds like a significantly better car. And yet, and yet, Sammy, it was developed a much longer time ago, right? Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm chronologically, the I-Pace comes well before the RZ, right? And and they're supposed to be, they're they're roughly the same size, maybe, and yeah, they are uh, serving the same de- same demographic, right? It's like luxury EV plug-in. Um, it's not, it's not like the Tesla crowd. It's not super fast, super high performance. Mm-hmm. But it, it it feels like Lexus has completely dropped the ball with this platform. Like, when I heard all of those stats that you said about this vehicle, I did not think luxury. I, I, I was thinking, here is a very expensive, for what you're getting, EV that doesn't beat more pedestrian stuff from Hyundai, from Kia, from Ford, or even from Chevrolet with the Bolt, which I think has more <laughs> range than, or equal range than this vehicle, despite costing like thirty grand. Yeah, no, uh, you're one hundred percent right. The, these are these are worrying stats to me, but of course, you know, there's more to a car than just the spec sheet. But... Sure, sure, and and I do yeah. want to say I do think that electric vehicles have more than range going for them. I don't think yeah. range is the ultimate arbiter of what makes a luxury vehicle or any EV worth buying. But my the point I am trying to make is if you're a luxury company, you have to be better than non-luxury companies in terms of what you're offering. And that is a huge failure on the part of the RZ before I've even been behind the wheel. I look at those stats, I look at the price, and then I struggle to find a reason to pay more for this vehicle. 
And you're also right because if you recall when we were talking about the hydrogen-powered Toyota Mirai, oh my goodness, you specifically said, you know, the car has to be better than just like adequate, right? It needs yes. to be something special. And the Lex, it, when you, especially doubly so when you put a Lexus nameplate on something um, and have the asking price that you have here, Lexus's first EV needs to set the tone for the brand's electrification strategy, right? And, and honestly, I think it has. I think that that's the saddest thing because I don't, as we talked about with the Mirai, I don't think Toyota and Lexus take electrification seriously. I think yeah. they're so focused on hybrids and the hydrogen aspect of it that the, the BEV segment is something they don't care about. And they've perfectly illustrated that with this model. So there are some things to talk about um, positively about the RZ. I mean, the, the powertrain is good enough. I, I think uh, the 308 horsepower works. It, it Gets the car to speed, uh, to highway speeds from a standstill in about five seconds. It feels fast. Uh, it's not particularly heavy when it comes to EVs, weighing about 4,500 pounds. I know that sounds crazy to say that, but there's a lot of EVs that um, are significantly heavier. I mean, about 1,000 pounds heavier than that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it, it's certainly easy to be light when your battery is so tiny. Sure. Um, and I will say that... Um, the, the other disappointing factor is that this doesn't really have the fastest charging speed. It tops out at 150 kilowatt charge rates, which is faster than the Solterra, I believe. And I think it should be faster than the BZ4X. But uh, that's not super fast. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially for, you know, an all-new luxury model. Yes. So those elements, like the, the, the core foundation of the RZ seems to be lacking. Uh, Design-wise, it is also a very strange-looking vehicle. Um, the models that we had on 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 hand to test had a number of different like two-tone options. You can get some with like um, a two-tone hood or a two-tone roof as well. So it really looked like this bizarre, I don't know, like design philosophy. And then you've also got to configure that the size is sits it somewhere between the NX and the RX. So it's it's this in-betweener size there as well. So I want to kind of back things up to a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the Genesis GV60, which is another sure. luxurious and I think similarly sized. Um, it's a bit bigger than the, than the GV60. Okay. So okay. in every category, would you not say that the GV60, and I haven't even driven the vehicle, but based on what you've told me, would not the Genesis just destroy this Lexus? There's one factor, way. one factor I found the Lexus um, to be better than a GV60 in my experience. Okay. And that is with ride quality. I don't know what Lexus has done particularly, like specifically to make the ride quality so good in this Lexus. It This is the one element of the vehicle that felt and sounded and just exuded Lexus. Okay. And, and that's not an enthusiast thing. Um, Lexus vehicles are known to be really kind of floaty, soft, comfortable, um, and and isolated feeling. Unless this you car, accidentally buy the F-Sport. <laughs> yes, which can sometimes be a little bit too large in some cases. But um, I found it to be really exemplary driving manners for a Lexus. It really does remind me of, of their luxury vehicles, the heyday of Lexus, when they were just significantly more comfortable than some of the other vehicles out there. Another element about the the RZ is the steering yoke and the drive-by-wire system. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, you're, is, you're, you can't just casually drop steering yoke into conversation and and keep moving. Come on. Okay, yeah, I'm going for it. Here we go. There is going to be a version of the Lexus RZ which uses 
um, steer by wire, which is to say that there is no physical connection between the steering wheel and the steering wheels. Oh, that was a stupid thing to say. It's okay. The, it's in the, the past. Front, Just move the on. The front wheels. Um, you'll remember that this strategy has been used in the past with Infinity, with their direct adaptive steering. However, the, the, the Infinity system had a redundancy in place in case there was any problem that was going to occur. There was a clutch that would engage the steering column and wheels so that you had a physical connection to the Yeah, it was like a yeah. failover system that they had. As far as I understand, the RZ does not have a physical connection at all. Ever. It's just a straight up fail system with the uh, with the yoke. I, I have to be honest, yokes are the dumbest thing that have happened to automotive design in the last two or three years. I'll go. I'll, I'll explain more of the the yoke and the system in a minute. But I ask this question: like, what happens when you know you run out of power or something like that? Because EVs, believe it or not, they run out of power sometimes. And you, if you need to flatbed it or steer it, you know, having some power steering will really help, or having a steering connection will help it uh, help it out in some way or another. That's a really good point. What did they say? They said that uh, you can. There's there's a 12 volt battery, and that can probably power this. Um, Wait, probably? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. They don't know. Probably, yeah, they don't know. <laughs> no one's um, never happened. <laughs> can help it um, steer the activate the 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 steering system as needed. So, I was not very sold on that on that answer. The other element about this um, system is that I truly believe that it's not a totally necessary. Um, addition to the RZ, I think that they are developing steer by wire systems for an eventual future where they can introduce um, hands-free driving or maybe autonomous driving altogether. Or I maybe... don't know if that's a reality, but I think you, in order for you to make that final step to hands-free or autonomous driving, you need to incorporate some kind of um, steer by wire system. Well, I mean, I... You, you could use a system to control. I mean, they already... Yeah. There are plenty of systems that aren't steered by wire that already do autonomous driving, right? Yes. So it's not totally necessary. I it's mean, it's not totally necessary, but I think that's their found their foundational technology for their for their next step. I assume the weight savings are also probably appealing, but I have to say the idea of taking a steering wheel, which is a a technology that works well and mm-hmm. has worked for I don't know one hundred years, one hundred twenty <laughs> years, perhaps longer, and then replacing it with something that does not work well is overly complicated and confusing to drivers. It, it, there's nothing about this that says anything to me other than we wanted to grab some eyeballs for PR and get this vehicle into the media for reasons that will obscure the fact that it's not competitive. Okay, so it's not that I don't think it it, it doesn't work well. What the steering yoke in the RZ does, there's another automaker that makes a steering yoke in the Tesla... I think it's in the Tesla Model S. It's in the Model S and the Model X, and it is not going to be in any future vehicles. They are not putting it into the Cybertruck, which doesn't exist anyway. Okay, thanks for the thanks for the reminder. I read a I read a I read an update about it. Okay. It's like it's weird to read updates about the Cybertruck. It's like it's like when a friend tells you about a dream they had, where like it never happened, but it happened to them. So yeah. it's real to them in the same way the Cybertruck is real to Tesla in that it's a dream that they have, but it's not real to anybody else. Well, are yeah. you telling me – have you not ever heard the stories um, of of your – like you wake – like this happens to me. I'll wake up one day and my and wife will be like – there's a Cybertruck at the end of your bed just watching you? I've had that happen. And my wife will be like, I'm so angry at something that you did in the in my dream. And I'm like, but I didn't do it. 
And she's just like, it doesn't matter. I was really in a bad mood. And I'm like, I have to spend my whole day trying to flip her mood. Did the Cybertruck <laughs> do something to you in a dream? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what, it, that's what I'm saying. You had a okay, dream so where the Cybertruck existed and, and it fundamentally shifted reality. <laughs> when it comes to the Tesla yoke, something that Tesla did is they basically introduced this yoke but didn't change the steering system in any way or form. So it's still a traditional steering system um, and requires hand-over-hand steering maneuvers, which is really ridiculous when you consider 50% of the steering wheel is now gone, right? Weight saving, Sammy. <laughs> sure. The RZ doesn't have this problem. It actually has a completely variable steering ratio, which has pros and cons. The total, to total turning radius of the steering wheel uh, a steering yoke is 150 degrees. Okay. So you never go really hand over hand. Okay. It basically goes a little more than 90 degrees in each direction. My, you got theory, that? my theory is they want to make steering the vehicle such an awful experience that yeah. when steering wheels are eventually removed from the equation entirely, it's just well, a relief. It is a relief. So um, driving this means that um, basically. Every, from what I understand, every five kilometers until you get to, sorry, what's five kilometers in miles? Three miles. Every three miles until you get to 60 miles per hour, um, the steering ratio changes, which is a bad idea, I think. I okay? want a steering ratio that's like Wheel of Fortune where you spin it and it's exactly. constantly changing and you don't know until it stops. And like you either get a million dollars or you just flip the car off the road. And there are moments when the car feels really natural, like uh, fine to drive, normal to drive. Um, and it's cool. You, you just move your, your, your arms just a little bit and it goes, you know, the full course, course you need to go. And then later on at different speeds, that same steering input doesn't have the same reaction to the car. Essentially at intersections, when you're parking the vehicle and at highway speeds, all of these speeds are, are all of these steering inputs are completely different from one another. And, uh, I don't know. I only spent a day in the vehicle. I didn't get used to it. And I'm still making like a bunch of adjustments while while um, steering the car, which I think is really unnatural and inappropriate for a vehicle that's supposed to be kind of calming you down, I guess, the way a luxury car should. This is this is my whole point, though, when I was saying that yeah. we have a technology that works and this is this is not a solution. This is an answer to a question no one has asked. It's yeah. no one has been like, how, how could I complicate the steering wheel? No one out there is like, you know what sucks about steering wheels? It's four pounds of weight in the worst possible position. Let's make it two pounds of weight and even more complicated. You know, yeah. it's like, it's just, it's just so odd. It's, it's, it's the same mentality that gave us the mouse and the touchpad in the Lexus infotainment system. It's almost like there's someone embedded inside of Lexus that Has actively... Has no idea what user no, input is? Perhaps they're not, like, they've never seen a human being, you know? And they're like, design the interior of a car, but we're not going to tell you what humans look like. And maybe it's like an AI that's doing yes. this. And it's like, okay, well, this logically, less steering wheel is lighter steering wheel. So here you go, you know? Like, it's... Yeah, they actively when hate people. When you talk to people who who drive cars, the one thing they're always telling you is that I hate hand over hand steering. It's the worst experience in my life. I I I just I have considered stop dr stopping driving altogether because I go hand over hand when I'm steering. Sometimes it's like, what if we could hire designers that actively hated ergonomics? <laughs> exactly, that's one hundred percent it. Um, if you want to talk about ergonomics, you should see the controls on the steering yoke because. Essentially, your hands are supposed to be on the steering yoke at all times. Of course. They have loaded the steering yoke with as many controls as possible. Um, I'm trying to find you a good photo of it for reference, but 
because it, it's hard for me to to explain every element of it. But one of the things that really stood out to me, one, the, the headlight controls are now on the steering wheel. The wiper controls are also on the steering wheel. The turn signal stock is no longer on the steering column, but attached to the steering wheel. So it moves with your hands so that- and, is, and is no longer extended outside of the diameter of the, of the grip, but inside behind behind the grip, if that makes sense. So that's not, I mean, Lexus isn't unique in that respect. I think Ferrari does a lot of that kind of thing and a couple yeah. of car, car companies in terms of like where the stocks are or where the turn signal. Sometimes it's not even a stock. Sometimes you just have buttons. Yes. Um, and then the there are paddle shifters on this vehicle that adjust the regenerative braking system. Those are- Under the seat. They're under the seat. No. Ah. They're at the top end of the steering yoke and basically um, triggered by your fingers. The whole thing feels like a video game. I feel like maybe that's what they were going for, too. If they wanted to appeal to a younger demographic, maybe this is the way to do it. Yeah, I don't love pri- it. Then price it as $60,000. That's totally yeah. where the younger demographic is shopping. Yeah. Um, other elements of the vehicle that I think are worth noting. Infotainment system is very good. The, the new modern Toyota and Lexus infotainment system is really responsive um, and fairly ergonomic, easy to use. They've also added knobs with, like, you know, displays inside them, too. I love that. Um I wasn't as sold on the interior as some of my colleagues were. I, when I was talking to other people, they're like, wow, this is a really nice interior. And I just didn't agree with them. I think Lexus has been holding back on interiors for a while, actually. They showed us their Halo interior with the LC and LS and haven't really reached that benchmark in any other product in any way either, which I think really, like, it disappoints me. A lot of people can't afford the LC or the LS, but they want that feeling in other cars. And you should be able to take snippets and and elements of those vehicles and, and bring them down, trickle them down. I know Lexus is capable of doing this. They, they I think they've done it in the past. And now it seems like those gorgeous interiors are going to be, are going to be in very soon dated. And we're not going to see them in any cool cars, Lexus uh, any is, more mass market cars. Lexus is capable of doing a lot of great things. And the fact that they actively choose not to is what's most frustrating about yeah. vehicles like this. It's the same, I agree. It's, it's the same thing. So I'm going to, I've said this before. I don't know if listeners will remember, but it's the same thing that Toyota's strategy with their full size pickup truck. Toyota could build the world's best full-size Tundra. They can make an amazing truck that gets like fantastic mileage and has a great interior and looks looks just awesome. And they choose not to. They choose to build for a very long time a non-competitive truck that was just never updated. And then when they did update it, they updated it to kind of be in the middle of the pack. It's They don't want to go after these segments. They're not interested in those dollars for whatever reason, which is odd because pickups is such a huge moneymaker. But for uh, battery electric vehicles, it's clear they're not interested. And that is the huge signal that is being sent out by a vehicle like this. I think that's essentially it. Um, there's not much more I, I can really um, add to the vehicle. I think it's spacious interior and uh it has a spacious interior it has um pretty good cargo space it doesn't have a front trunk and one of the coolest features that i love are those tinting sunroofs i think the venza has this feature as well you press a button and the sunroof goes opaque you press another you press the button again and it goes totally it's, transparent. it's never opaque enough for me i love it i, I need like so cool. vampire levels of opaqueness or i don't trust it <laughs> what happens if i'm undead one day you know like you've got to think Wait, about and you that. need to drive your electric yeah, you got to think about you that grocery, stuff. You got groceries to do. And like, you can't get too far from the crypt either because it's only like 200 miles of range. So you really got to plan things out. Absolutely. I know exactly what you mean. Got to use the chargers at night. It's it's a whole lifestyle. <clears throat> so I, I'm, I think you're basically on the, on, the, on the right path here by saying their battery electric strategy and their design philosophy may not, may be 
um, phoning it in or, or putting in a half-hearted effort a little bit. I don't know what's coming next for the automaker. From what I understand, this platform can't, like, does not support a bigger battery. So I don't know if we're going to get more range. I mean, no surprises there. <laughs> it's like bad platform can't be made better. Okay. I mean, that, that definitely scans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so and, I, and I don't know if they're going to add um, a bigger a bigger motor to, in, in the rear to make it more faster or something like that. So I want to talk about a vehicle that illustrates what Lexus can achieve when it does care about something. Okay. Um, what? It is the NX 450H Plus, which is essentially the Lexus version of the Toyota RAV4 Prime, which is like the most popular uh, plug-in SUV on the planet. Like this is a vehicle you cannot buy right now. Or if you did manage to buy one, you're very lucky because inventory has been limited for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reasons are are obvious. So... When I say it's the, it's the Lexus version of that, it takes the NX, which is a vehicle that I drove almost exactly a year ago, the current generation. I drove the regular hybrid version, and I was not really that impressed with it. I found it to be, you know, it was okay, but the drivetrain was not great. Power wasn't super smooth. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of left me a little cold compared to other entries in the segment from, say, Genesis or BMW. So yep. a, a year later... And I think all that tracks. I think they, they made touch-ups to the NX in the right places, like, visually but not um, in the places that will matter in the long run, which is, I think, the powertrain and, and steering feel and user interface and stuff like that. So flash forward a year, and it's incredible how different I feel about the 450H+. Plus, which Really? Yes. So this is a vehicle that substitutes in a new drivetrain. It's essentially the same four-cylinder engine that was in the regular hybrid, but it comes with a different pair of, um, I don't know if it's different, but just the, the the overall output from the two electric motors and the gas engine is now at just over 300 horsepower. I think it's like 302 horses. Okay. And it comes with a battery pack, 18.1 kilowatt hours. And that gives you something like 37 miles of electric only driving. Okay. So from- That's not bad, is it? No. I spent an entire week with the vehicle. I never had the gas engine click on once. Even though temperatures were regularly below freezing, mm-hmm. um, I had decent performance in EV mode at all times. It's a little bit slower than the non-EV mode. I think it's something like, oof, I want to say like seven seconds to 60 or something or eight seconds to 60 versus like a, a second or a second and a half less when you have the gas motor running too. But mm-hmm. what really impressed me was just how smooth and comfortable the ride was when I was running on this battery. And, and I'm driving this electrified battery powered version of the NX. And all I could think of is like, why doesn't Toyota just put go, go all in and put a bigger battery in here and make it a full BEV because really? they're obviously fuck they're, they, they have this capability. <laughs> you, you almost swear on the podcast. I almost swore on the podcast. <laughs> they have this capability of building something that would be really good. And they're just like, nah, we're not going to do it. Like I can't stress enough how good this 450H Plus is. Really? Come really on. Good. I'm not sold yet. All I heard is that you put a bigger battery, you put 300 horsepower, which is not super competitive, I think. It's no, good it's enough. No, not, it's not a hor- – it's not a – the horsepower in the vehicle doesn't make it sporty. It's definitely not a sporty vehicle to drive. It okay. is a comfort-oriented vehicle. It doesn't handle particularly well. It's It handles like a crossover of its size. But I liked the interior more. I I liked the experience and all of that came because the drivetrain just gave me this great feeling 
uh, of responsiveness and, and 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 just not the like kind of the regular hybrid system. It's a little bit wheezy and it's a little bit noisy and it it doesn't come across as very refined. And all of that was gone when I was on this battery powered mode. Um, okay. it, the other thing about it is it's priced almost exactly the same as the uh, vehicle you drove. It's uh, sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, it's like fifty eight. I think that's kind of expensive, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's fourteen thousand dollars more than the regular hybrid. I think wow. roughly. But it's so much more usable than that EV that you were driving. Like, you're getting so much more from it. Like, you have this dual-use capability. And I know this is this is what Toyota's point is. They're like, hey, we want to make plugins because we believe in internal combustion and we believe in the viability of being able to drive on a tank of gas as far as you want to go and then refill. But when you're around town at home, you don't have to do that. You can just plug in and then in the morning go to work and then come back and never touch the gas. I get that. And I actually like plug-in hybrids a lot for that reason. But to, for Toyota, it's become a blind. It's become a, – it has focused – their focus is so narrow, they can't see beyond the idea of plug-in hybrids. They're not willing to engage with the idea of battery electric vehicles. And it's bizarre because they would be so good at it if they chose to. Like this is yeah. this is a real – I enjoyed this vehicle. Uh, I like the updates in the interior now. I, I've had more time to spend in Lexus vehicles. I like the larger touchscreen. Um, there are parts of it that are a little clunky, as you mentioned – uh, in, in your vehicle, I'm sure that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the infotainment system and the dashboard, I didn't have all those buttons on the steering wheel that you mentioned, but there are Thank some, goodness. there are some aspects of like the steering wheel buttons that I don't, I don't like very much, but overall it was a positive experience. And uh, in comparison to say a similarly priced German luxury SUV, it's going to be a lot more reliable. Okay. The, the thing I have here, the question I have is, are there any other like plug-in hybrids in this class i'm looking at like mercedes i think maybe oh volvo oh yeah audi and volvo have s60 which i think has very similar range maybe within a few miles and how do you feel Sorry, not s60 but what do they call it xc60 i'm sorry and i think you can get a q5 e-tron yes i'm gonna make sure that that i'm correct on that no you you can you can okay do these change your your mind as to how competitive the the NX is? I have not driven the Q5 e-tron. It has 62 more horsepower. It's a lot faster. Like, I think it's something like two seconds faster or maybe even three seconds faster. Wow. Um, the uh, Even the RAV4 Prime is quicker than the, the NX 450h in a straight line. So, sorry, it's it's five it's six okay. it's it's uh, 5.6 seconds to 60. I think I had said seven earlier. Um, okay. the, the Prime is like 5.4. And then the Q5 is like 4.5. So if you're looking for straight out speed in a straight line, you're not going to get it from the Lexus. I don't want that from this kind of mm-hmm. vehicle. I don't really prize that kind of thing. Uh, it's faster than the, the, the I think there's like a, a the, the Lincoln Corsair. Um, is there a okay. plug-in version of that yet? I thought there was, but I yeah, went to here, go look for it and I couldn't find it. I just found it. It's 28 miles of range and it's like seven seconds to 60. So that's kind yeah. of the other bookend of the of the segment. Can we talk a little bit about the XC60? XC60 um, plug-in, it's called the T8 all-wheel drive, does 0 to 16 4.8 seconds, and oh, I've got the wrong, I've got the wrong market. I was gonna, I was gonna freak out about the price for a moment. Give me a minute. How, <laughs> Are you do you have the, the Scandinavian Kroner? Is that what? Yeah, 
I really screwed that up. <laughs> but um, it's interesting to see that there is this like 60. I'm looking at the US version of the Q5. It's around 57. That's when it's where it starts for the so e, about for the, the e-tron. about the same price as the Lexus. And you can get a, a $67,000 version of it as well. Yeah. So you're getting this opportunity now to get when I went to the other German companies like the Mercedes and the BMWs, you can you can't get those with plug-in hybrids, the GLC or the X3 yet. Or the or the X1 even. Or the X1. Or the Acura RDX, you know, like CX5, like you did mm-hmm. similarly sized kind of quasi luxury stuff. You can't get those. You you get the option of getting the like AMG, the the forty three AMG or the M three forty or M forty version. Of I the feel X3. like that's a very different customer. It is a different customer, and that's what I was going to say. Is now you have this like option to choose whether or not you're you're into the performance aspect of these cars or the the improved fuel economy or electrification of these cars. And I, I think at four seconds or five seconds to to highway speeds for some of them. That's pretty competitive. That's pretty nice. And I think that the the NX looks pretty decent in certain colors. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. a step up over how it used to look. Whether this is worth paying more for than the Prime, the, than the Rav Four Prime, I mean that's tough to say. It's it's probably easier to get, just because I don't think the NX sells decently well. But I'm not sure it doesn't have the same brand recognition. I think as the plug-in version of the Rav Four, it's definitely nicer inside than the Rav Four if you care about that kind of thing. But if all you're looking for is a really good drivetrain in a plug-in hybrid, it's going to be pretty much exactly the same. So now, we, as you said, you've got this whole element where you see what Lexus can do when they, like, try. Yeah. And we know what Lexus looks like when they don't want to try. Yes. What is it, what's going on here? Are they are they just not motivated to make battery electric vehicles? Yeah, that's I what we, that's we, the, we talked about that. I think that's the, the overall Mariah's. that's the overall feeling that we're we're both getting. Are yes. they going to get out of this funk? Or are they no just idea. Stick to this? Not until leadership makes a decision. Not until leadership decides to join the rest of the world and stop self isolating and participate in a battery powered future. Like you, you remember, like companies like Volkswagen for a very long time, they were all in on diesel, right? Because yes. they were cheating and they could <laughs> they could make diesel seem like it was somehow not horrendous in terms of emissions. And as a result, they didn't have a lot going on when it came to battery powered vehicles. And then the, the whole Dieselgate scandal happened and that really accelerated their plans. Um, mm-hmm. And they were now they're I wouldn't say they're leaders, but they're definitely making an effort to provide a variety of battery powered options at a number of different price points. And they still sell diesel in other markets, don't they? Sure. Where people's lives are cheaper. <laughs> yes. So I, I, I hear what you're saying is basically they bet on the they bet not that they bet on the wrong thing. Well, maybe they did bet on the wrong thing, but they were told to stop to focus on something else. I don't. And they not only did they they focus on something else they delivered something really good at that level sure right sure and now toyota is saying we're not ready to commit to that technology because we think that hybrids or hydrogen still has a future um so we're not ready to to abandon our energy but it, there's no need for them to abandon that's the, the we said that about hyundai, aspect right? of hyundai this. can hyundai and kia can do both yeah it doesn't three. have to be either or it can be both and they've decided not to do that so anyway, I don't really have much more to say about that. I feel like I've really beaten Toyota to death about this particular thing. Okay. But uh, yeah, that, that that's my impression of the of the NX. Um, definitely worth a drive if this is something you're interested in. I would say the hybrid is not worth a drive. 
but the $60,000, it sounds like it was more expensive than it ever was, right? Like, I mean, I guess, of course, that's I mean, trade. I assume so. It's the top top tier trim level. So was the NX ever that expensive? I, when it wasn't that when it wasn't a plug in hybrid, I guess not. That seems too well, much. No, for it's, it's $14,000 more than the regular hybrid. That still sounds pricey. I believe. Um, but you gotta be, if you want this, you gotta pay for it. I mean, I would take this over the vehicle you just described to me. Yeah. The like low fair. effort yoke, like bad range un- underpower. It's the same horsepower, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. I bet you the weights are the same too. Okay. But with um, the, even with the smaller battery pack, I mean, it's balanced out by the weight of the gas engine. So it's just, it's just a more practical vehicle. And that's Toyota's point. They're making their point for us. Lexus is like, Hey, you could buy this. Uh, what is it again? RZ. But why would you when you could get an NX instead? Please buy the NX instead. Please, please. <laughs> what do they gain by by making everyone fall in love with their PHEVs? Well, they have no plan B. They obviously <laughs> yeah. there's no EV for them to sell. They don't have anything going there. Unless they unveil some secret like in a year from now, like, oh, we have had a skunk works and we actually built a competitive vehicle. I mean, they're distracting from the fact that they're not competitive in a segment where everyone else is. Yeah. Or they're relying on their a dedicated fan base. We're at the point where there are like you know battery powered pick versions of every mainstream pickup truck, and Toyota yeah. still does not have a competitive battery powered vehicle. That is or a abs- competitive pickup truck. That is absurd. Yeah, <laughs> most of those things are true. That is absurd. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, I think that's what I've got for this week's episode. I think everyone's got the point. I feel bad now. They're gonna they're gonna call me up and be like, "Come on now." Um, and I'm going to have to say that's the truth. That's how we feel. Ben, what are we doing next week? Next week, I'm going to be talking about the 2023 Subaru WRX, Sammy, which is um, completely redesigned. But my the version of the vehicle I have has a horrible secret. And uh, I will divulge what that secret is on the podcast. And I will be testing another electric vehicle from a Japanese automaker. It is the Nissan Aria, this time the all-wheel drive version of it as well. So I'm looking forward to doing that. I haven't. I've. I've. I saw my first one in the wild the other day, so I can't wait to drive these models. And I guess we should tell people how they can get in touch with us, Sammy. How would they do that? They can head on over to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, and while they're there, there's a contact form that they can fill out, and um, we'll we'll get all of your comments. It's very easy that way. Or you can head over to um, either Ben or myself's social media pages or profiles you can find ben on instagram he's at hunting benjamin and you can find me on twitter i'm at sammy uh underscore ha like you're laughing and you can always go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com you can fill out the contact form there you can uh subscribe to the podcast there you can find us on all of your podcatchers or you can email me the old-fashioned way benjamin at benjaminhunting.com that is a lot of information just kind of rammed into you at once but Just want to say thank you for listening and we'll be back in a week or so. See ya.